What's up, everybody? This is episode 80 of Cool Down Time. I'm your graphically impressive host of the show, Marco, and I'm being joined, as always, by the technical mess of the show and the co-host of the show, Pablo, uh, who is here to help me talk about gaming's best and bootiest. Pablo, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing pretty good, recording this earlier than we usually do. A little bit, a little bit, uh, yeah. You know, you know, just a year ago, we were children. And now a year later, we're adults, and so we have to do things a little differently. Um, but man, everything's going well. Yeah. We are deep in the in the video game season that is yeah. uh, for the fourth quarter. So it is, it's crazy out in these streets. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're playing a combined total of 2,073 games at, at, at the same time, uh, aren't we? 2,074. Okay. Oh, one. wow. We're yeah. playing one as we speak. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. 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 It's been a busy week. I have my pops in town, uh, so he's been hanging out with me over in my place. Uh, I had to sneak away to record this so that dad doesn't walk in. What are you guys doing? You, you hey, man, what is this cool? You guys singing games. songs? I like Christopher Nolan. I'll talk to Pablo. Uh, oh. <laughs> he actually doesn't like Christopher Nolan, so I think it'll be okay. It's a long, it's okay. a long, it's a long running uh, joke to, about Pablo has this, this, this just brewing resentment for anything wow, Christopher Nolan. I, I'm actually offended that you think it's a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the show before I trigger Pablo even further, because this episode is going to be a pretty good one. We have um, which horror franchises we're going to be bringing back from the grave in our Checkpoint chat, plus our first impressions of Bayonetta 3, Modern Warfare 2's multiplayer, and much more. Uh, Before we get into the show, though, Pablo, I think it's important to do a little bit of housekeeping now that we're getting towards the end of the year. And uh, we have a lot of really awesome content in store for you listeners uh, for our end of year coverage. So starting next week through the rest of the year and even into January a little bit, we are going to have some really, really incredible content coming your way uh, to basically just review the year. We're going to be doing the hidden gems of the year. We're going to be reviewing every single console and major third party and giving them grades. We're going to be, of course, uh, checking out the game awards that are going to be happening in December, uh, talking about Open Critic winners and losers uh, from the year. And then we're going to have our big game of the year deliberations, where we break down our uh, picks for best visuals, story, multiplayer, biggest disappointments, surprises, and so on. And of course, our top 10 best games of the year. Uh, and then we'll shift gears to 2023 games and start making predictions about the, the games and the industry happenings that we think are going to take place too. So there's a lot of really dope stuff to look forward to for sure so with all that coverage coming your way guys this is the time to subscribe yeah we did something last year like this similar but this year is a lot more structured yeah and uh yeah. and we got things going we got we got a schedule a calendar we got a system we got uh we got a system going so yeah. it's gonna be fun for yeah. you guys you, and the, for us the, too this is the time to subscribe though for sure you know because you're not going to want to miss those those episodes all that content all that goodness uh we're on apple Podcasts, mm. spotify google our official website at cooldowntime.com. We're there where you need us. And if you're feeling extra cool, 
follow us on IG and Twitter at It's Cool Down Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Uh, but with that being said, Pablo, the housekeeping's out of the way. It's time to dive into the first segment of the show that is dedicated to the games we've been playing since you last heard from us, and we call that segment Loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, so we have quite a list of games to talk about this week. And uh, Pablo, I think it is best that we kick it over to you first in talking about one of the big releases, uh, and <laughs> as of late, a pretty controversial game uh, as well. Yeah. But I'm going to kick it to you first. Tell me what you got on your list. Marco, I'm going to start off here with Bayonetta 3. I want to ask you a question before I start. Okay. These days, how important is a story for you in games in terms of the overall enjoyment of that game? Oh, you're getting into one of the questions I was going to ask you about. Um, it's pretty important. It's pretty important. Yeah. I, I, I think um, I'm at a point now as a gamer where I want a very, and this is going to be a leading answer, I'm, I'm pretty sure, but a very organized and well-told story. Yeah. I, I, really, I really need that these days. Well, I've only played a few hours of Bayonetta 3, and I can tell you uh, it is a headache-inducing <laughs> mess of a story. But it is undoubtedly Bayonetta. I I've seen a lot of people kind of talk about the game and say that it's a celebration of her. And it really is. Mm -hmm. uh, it there's, there's a lot of melodrama, reference jump. Everything you expect from Bayonetta in the first 15 minutes of that game is all there. Uh, and I don't think it's going to get any much better. So I I'm, I'm <laughs> curious to see how you kind of, if you play the game, how you kind of uh, fall into it. Because I'm in a weird position where I'm enjoying it because of the gameplay aspect. But the story, which is so much of it, uh, because every Every, every five minutes, there's a 10-minute cutscene, it feels like. Wow. So it's like, there's okay. a lot, especially up front. Uh, but it does uh, settle fairly quickly when it comes to the gameplay portion of it. It is, of course, stylish as fuck. It's Bayonetta as you expect Bayonetta to be. Um, like, just little things. Like, for example, you can summon, like, this big monster. Mm -hmm. And you can press these buttons, the action buttons, to fight the enemy. And Bayonetta is doing, like, freeform dancing. Uh, is on that the, side. the like the kaiju thing that they got? Yeah, like, it reminds me of Astral Chain a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it does definitely have that Astral Chain feel to it. But what's cool about it is like Beta is not just off to the side doing nothing. She's literally just dancing. It, it's it's like <laughs> like Jeez. literally like free form expression dancing. It's so cool when they do shit like that. Okay, um, it, and it's it's. The whole game itself, the gameplay is absolutely fantastic. It just kind of reminds me of how awesome Bayonetta 2 was. Uh, and then there's some gameplay changes that happen, some things that completely change the way you play Bayonetta for mm. certain aspects. I won't spoil too much what that is because that's actually part of the story. And it, and it actually oh, really okay. works really well. And I, I really do enjoy that. Um, I, I would say um, I am a little shocked by how much the visual graphical performance uh, part of this game has been underplayed in reviews because I want to tell you Marco this game is fucking ugly <laughs> it is an ugly ass game there, there's a cutscene in the beginning of this game that is running at seems like at 12 frames per second oh, no. and it is blurry muddy as all hell and it's, the, the issue is that it's inconsistent because there's some uh, cutscenes that are awesome, that are absolutely incredible. Like just this, what you would expect from Bayonetta. And there's other stuff where it's like, th is this from the same game? Mm. Like, is this a demake of Bayonetta three right inside? Like, it looks <laughs> so bad. Um, and Man. the gameplay as what's what's the saving grace here is that the gameplay when you're actually playing the game, it's 30 frames, 
it does dip a little bit, but you don't feel it too much. It, it's because there's there's this kind of like there's this dance to, to the to gameplay. If you played a Bayonetta game, you of know course. how it all yeah, yeah, yeah how it all plays out. So that it really kind of hides the issues, quote unquote. But when it comes to the actual um, cutscenes, some they're so bad that I don't even understand what they were going for, and it's like. And it's a weird mix of this painterly art style with these really bad uh, character designs. And it's like the developers didn't even notice that they were that bad because they flaunt it in your face. They want to show you how beautiful it is. They do close-ups, and I'm like, this is horrible. They even have a photo <laughs> yeah. mode, Marco. This is how oh, beautiful it is. They mode. have a photo mode in this game. <laughs> but, you know, we, we talk about reviews and how certain things outweigh other things. I think this is an example of gameplay outweighing those technical issues, not to the point where you should they should be ignored. But here's the thing. Here's the divide, right? You got you got performance issues. You got gameplay phenomenal, top notch. Then you have the the thing that should equal it all out, which is the story. Mm. And right now, the story is just messy. It is though, however, interesting conceptually as to what they're trying to do and the way the game starts with the thing that happens. You're like, oh, okay, they're going somewhere with this. I don't know because I can't trust Bayonetta or Platinum to make a a story that is that is not going to like give me a headache by the end of the, yeah. the, the game's over. So I am kind of worried that we have the, the gameplay, the, the 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 performance, that we have the story, that that perfect triangle. How one thing I don't know if gameplay could outweigh two other things, mm. and that's kind of my concern right now. But you know, okay. o- other than that, I think it's really 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 dope ass game in terms of like just the way it plays and the way it looks and the style. But I am a little worried in terms of like the long term of being mm, completing yeah. the game and seeing exactly if everything else is is as good as these reviews say. Cause I'm really confused with reviews nowadays, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's really a whole am. that's a whole can of worms in and of itself. Reviews are just yeah. not reliable anymore. I I do have a question yeah. for you though before we move sure. on. Um because this is this is my main concern with the game as I've looked at it from the outside looking in. I was really planning on getting this game day one as a Bayonetta mm-hmm. fan, but what was really holding me back was this overarching theme in my brain of like, this feels like a game that was made for like 2017 or something. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like a 2022 game. Like, you got to factor eight years since Bayonetta yep. 2, right? Almost a decade. And this is the comeback, right? So, yeah. as the comeback, I guess my concern was and is, have they moved the needle enough? Or is it just a case of it's more Bayonetta in all the ways you love, but it hasn't done a better job in all the ways that could have used improvements since Bayonetta 2? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So far, it is a small upgrade to 2. It is, they're, they're not reinventing the wheel. They're mm-hmm. not specifically reinventing Bayonetta or the way she plays. I pretty much feel at home. I guess that's good or bad, depending as to how what you were expecting from this. Yeah. My concern, and I remember talking about this on the show, that my concern was that Bayonetta 3 was going to suffer because of the Switch. And so far, unfortunately, that's that looks like it's the case. This is the first game that I can remember on the Switch. Actually, actually it is the first game on the Switch where I can really be like, damn, the Switch is old because you got mm. other games that kind of cover that up with the art style the yep. marios and and the and the pokemons but this game needs 60 frames this game needs to look better than somebody just finger like my son finger painted art style onto it like it's <laughs> it, it there's things that need to be better uh and that's just not going to be the case I, I i don't i don't know 
where we go from here with, with the Switch. This kind of has me a little scared about Breath of the Wild or, or uh, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, mm-hmm. the next Zelda game, because this game, th- this game seems it makes my 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 Switch sound like a PS4 Pro, which I've never heard my Switch do that before. Ever. <laughs> so it is it is working hard here, and it, the results are not great. Um, I think that your 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 kind of like concerns are valid. However, I would say if you are a Bayonetta fan. I don't know how this game is going to disappoint you. It might be like, damn, I wish they did more. But I don't know if you'll come away from this absolutely disappointed. Because mm. Bayonetta 2, I consider one of the best action games of all time. Top five at the very least. And Bayonetta 3 is just giving me so far more of that. Mm. And I and I am enjoying that. I, 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 I will say, like, when you talk about this game, oh, it's, it looks ugly. It looks this. It's a recipe for disaster. But the gameplay is so amazing mm. that it is. It's not. It, it's, it's working for me. For now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, I don't know when I'm going to pick it up. I'd like to ideally get it by the end of the year, but I, I got a little spooked when I saw the reviews and I was looking at yeah. the, I, I was doing the eyeball test and I'm like, this just doesn't feel right to me yet. But I yeah. figured I'd wait and hear your impressions first and I'll make a decision afterwards. But uh, good to hear that it's uh, it, it, at the very least, it is still the Bayonetta that people know and love, um, Absolutely. It, even if it hasn't truly advanced itself in ways that no. it maybe could have. And look, if you look at it from one to two, there are small advancements there, too. There's not huge differences there. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the same amount of differences between one and two to two to three. The only difference being now is that there's been eight years between a sequel, and you would expect more. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah. you know, it is what it is at this yeah. point, you know. Okay. Uh, so my next game that I'm playing, it's kind of going to go with the theme here of, like, reviews seem to not be something you can trust. Because that is Gotham Knights. That's an update from the game that I talked about last, uh, last episode. And it, it really does solidify something for me this year, is that reviews really can't be trusted it's specifically numerical reviews because there's no nuance in these numbers it's all about good bad you know open critic 70 the difference between 70 and 75 is is is, is huge in a lot of uh, people's eyes for me playing this game i can i can tell you okay I think about Saints Row, which got a 64 on Open Critic, yes. which I enjoyed playing that game quite a bit. A 64 is seems a little crazy to me. Forbidden West, we're going the opposite way. Has a what 88 on Open Critic? That's a game I did not enjoy. Uh, n- not really, right? And at 88 is pretty high for a game. It's almost at 90, which is right up there with like uh, not close enough, but almost there with like uh, Elden Ring or something of that sort, right? Just a couple of points off of that. Mm-hmm. It's like really, and, and really, what what this does to me is it, it kind of just tells me that I have to really know what I like and trust that that developer, whoever that is, is making the game that I like, and I'm going to go and jump into it. Because for me, Gotham Knights works in ways that it should. One of the main complaints about Gotham Knights that I've seen is that it's not enough like Arkham City or that it's lost its legacy in that sense. I think that's complete bullshit. I think the issue is that it is too much like Arkham City. It has not, just a conversation we had by, about Bayonetta 3, Gotham Knights has not advanced the formula in any real way. It, mm-hmm. it's, it, it feels like a game that would have come right after Arkham City or Arkham Knight, uh, and just, it would have been right at home with those games, honestly. I, I, but unfortunately, it's just not a game that really works today. However, when we talk about things that outweigh outweigh other things, the gameplay is fantastic. The story, if you like the source material, if you like DC, if you like Batman, this shit is 
this shit is fire, bro. It it it, it hits mm. on all fronts in that sense. And then obviously the gameplay. If you I'm playing as Batgirl, she's the one that you play. I think if you want to play solo, because she's the one that feels most like Batman. Mm-hmm. And I, the gameplay is awesome. Like the, the city is a little bit more lively than the previous games because previous games they always, they use an excuse about it being Christmas and the streets are empty or something of that sort. But there's there's a lot going for this game. It's just a it's an old feeling game with old tropes uh, when it comes to the open world. Um, execution of it all but ultimately for me it's sitting at a 69 and this is not a game that i would consider actually it's actually it's 70 it's now 70, but yeah. it's yeah. not yeah it's not a game that i would consider a bad game at all it's just more of the same and i have to kind of you know you have to kind of think about these kind of things is this enough to for it to be the next entry within the goth within the knights uh, or the batman world i don't think so i think this is again this feels bad uh in terms of like advancements but the gameplay is great. The story is great. And I really am enjoying my time with it. Um, so I, I guess I would tell people who really like the Arkham Knight games or, or Arkham City, whichever one you like, I think this is a game that you should definitely jump into. It, it's it's actually pretty fun. Uh, it's just too much like its predecessors that came out eight years ago. So you you know do with that what you will. That's kind of a mm-hmm. running theme here uh, for sure. Yeah, this is one of those examples of of why you have to actually read reviews and not just look at numbers. Yeah. A lot of people just look at. I mean, you know, granted we make we make you know light of it with our open critic predictions and stuff because it's fun to think about. But yeah, I yeah. think at the end of the day, you really have to search for the context that exists in reviews, and you have to really find a couple of sources that you trust the most that are more aligned with your own tastes because you will, you know, as Pablo's kind of alluding to, you'll be led astray and be told or, you know, informed that, oh, this isn't a good game when it might actually be right up your alley. You know, so it's always important to go search for that context, try to get more details and connect your own dots at the end of the day, you know. And know your taste because I didn't like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and I jumped into Forbidden West. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't like Forbidden West. Shame on me. That's on me, yeah. right? And I'm not saying, and look, I'm not saying that Gotham Knight is a undoubtedly good game. I'm not saying that Forbidden West is a undoubtedly bad game. I'm just saying, for me, mm-hmm. those games work on their own, uh, you know, for people who like them. And, and Forbidden West is just not a game for me. And yeah. Gotham Knight is a little bit more up my alley. It doesn't mean that e- either of those games are factually bad or good it's just right it's just taste at the end of the day that's a really important part of this for sure it's, it's what you like and what you don't like absolutely however marco there are the exceptions to the rules aren't they because <laughs> we don't uh we we don't talk about mobile games on this podcast we're never really ever going to talk about mobile games on this podcast we're probably never going to talk about card centric games on this podcast yeah. however your boy is currently uh, obsessed here with a little game on the iPhone called Marvel Snap. Uh, spelled how? You I'm know, sorry. How's that spelled? It's called. It's spelled S C H N A P. Okay. No, Marvel Snap. S N A P. Marvel Snaps. No, but listen. Um, this is a super easy, simple to grasp card battle game created by the same guy who made Hearthstone. Uh, so interesting. It has the qual. It has the quality of that game, which I played a little bit when it first launched. I think a lot of people played that game when it first launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is. It, it's definitely within the elk of that kind of uh, build. It is again. I'll repeat. It's super simple because within the first five minutes, you'll know exactly what you need to do in order to 
play the game, understand it. I'm not going to bore you guys too much with the specifics of how it is you play, uh, but just know it, it's a collector game. You collect cards and you build your deck. It's only 12 cards in a deck, so it, building your team does isn't exactly like a headache-inducing thing. It's actually pretty simple. Um, and obviously with the collecting thing comes, if, if those hit those endorphins with the collection, you're in trouble, my yeah, man. Cause I, I am, imagine. Because that's where I'm at right now. However, I haven't spent any money on it because the progression system right now at the beginning at the very least is very friendly to 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 players like you collect a lot of money you collect a lot of points to upgrade those cards fairly quickly uh you could only upgrade uh cards three cards uh within a, t- a time limit and you gain enough credits within playing the game to do that three times a day so you don't really have to spend money to people who want to advance that quicker they, they can do that um oh, but okay. right now it's a lot of cosmetic stuff just a lot of like uh the card is is easy there's no borders like the character comes out of the border 3d or something like that that's kind of what you're you're getting here with, with the cosmetic stuff but man it is an absolute blast you know we talk about splatoon how splatoon 3 is very addictive because it's so sh- it's, it's these little spurts of games like little short uh, three spurts. minutes it's like yeah. three minutes mm-hmm. yeah and that's it you're done this is exactly what this is as well. This is a great mm. in-between game. It is a very short, it's only six rounds, and you play the cards. And what it is basically, just to give you a quick rundown, is three locations, and you have your cards that are randomly given to you. And each of those locations have like a like a like like a attribute. Put this card here, this happens, right? Okay. Cards also have an attribute, and you can max uh, match those up to give you maximum amount of points. You have to win those locations. The most points at the end of the round, you have to win two out of the three locations. Once you do that, that's that's the game. Okay. And I am honestly, I'm not gonna, I'm not bragging. I've only lost once, um, <laughs> and that's, but that's because you, when you play with people, a lot of people are just playing the power port part of it. Oh, this has the most power. You know, mm. if you play those those locations and you mix it with your cards. You're you're gonna win every time. So, it's it's super addictive because it's super simple to learn. There's a whole collection aspect to it. It is it is really well made, man. I am shocked, surprised as to how good this game is made. But, um, I don't know, Marco. I mean, I, I don't recommend this game for you because you don't like card games and you definitely don't like Marvel. Uh, I don't know if you can <laughs> yeah. get past the Marvel portion of it because if you did like hearthstone at least at the beginning i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure you'll like this um with the combination of sparks of hope and the combination of this game i'm mildly interested in what midnight suns has to bring to the table in, in that sense just i'm not saying that i'm like excited for it but i'm like okay it, it, if of a card-based game could be done right with the rts type game then there's there's potential here for this to really be you know a really cool game uh but we'll see right now marvel snap has like my in between times uh, you know i've been off uh i was off yesterday on oh, the day before yesterday and today and i've been playing quite a bit with my son putting him down for a nap or whatever the case may be these little in between games they're, mm-hmm. they're lifesavers man they're really it's a, and it's a really good time uh really blast to play went to bed last night played a little like one round before going uh going to sleep it's a really dope game it's free to play okay. uh so far just to kind of get this out of the way, the uh, it's not it's not the monetary stuff isn't isn't bad at all. So you know, for right now, get in now and you could probably enjoy it because I don't know if that's going to be the case going forward. Uh, these games always tighten up, you know, yeah. start picking away at your wallet as time goes on. Plus, so we'll it, see. But plus, it's wanna, getting popular too now, so it's like yeah, it's, it's made already. Like I think it was like twenty two million or something like that in mm-hmm. a day or something. People are spending that money on it. The thing is, they're only getting the cosmetic part of it. I am I I'm I would be really 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 shocked if this game never goes 
uh, pay to win. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, down the line, because it definitely uh, does. But anyway, I, I would recommend. It. There's a lot more to the game. There's a snap sure, feature. Sure, yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff to it. I, I would definitely recommend for those who like any kind of those games, or even if you like Marvel, because they're all all those cards are voiced and they have like these little like uh, the little quips and the little catchphrases. It's pretty dope. Cool, for man. Sure. Yeah, definitely not for me, but uh, glad that yeah. it is a a hit I, for y'all. I did recommend it to Justin, who's a friend of the show, okay. uh, and he's a Marvel fan, hates card games, I think, uh, and he's as addicted as I am wow. so far. All right. It's one for one so far, and people I recommended who I know would like it. All right. I ain't one of them. Not for Marco Snaps, what they should have called it. <laughs> um, let me go ahead and jump in with uh, with my loadouts, and uh, I've been rolling credits on some games, man. I got two uh, that I wrapped up. Uh, the first one is just a... Well, actually, both of them are continuations of uh, some games we talked about in the previous episode. Uh, starting with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. So I finished the campaign, and I gotta say, um, other than the rough start of the first three or four missions, I actually really enjoyed this campaign a lot. Um, it seems yeah. to be getting a lot of mixed reactions from the community. Um, <laughs> people are like... Oh, you know, I miss the old school bombastic days of just, you know, all out mayhem and every mission felt like Normandy kind of thing. And then you have people that like the slower and stealthier and cooler pace that this has. I am more in that latter camp. I I really thought that this game, um, by the time the credits rolled, uh, which the final scene in that game is pretty cool because it sets up what I think the DLC story content is going to be. And it's it's what you want. Trust me. Um, Very good. It's really, really good. I love the diversity of the mission types. I love how they took some risks and and did some missions that are very unique for the Call of Duty, uh, you know, formula. Um, and I was pretty shocked. I mean, I don't know how much of those unique mission types were known before the game came out because I wasn't really planning on buying it, so I didn't really follow a lot, a lot of news or information about the game. But I was just, you know taken aback constantly by the diversity of the missions towards the end. And I felt like I got a really great um, and thoughtful experience that that really tried to, to deviate from the, the predictable Call of Duty formula to give me something pretty new. It wasn't perfect. It was a little too scripted in some ways. You can kind of break the game in a way if you, if you don't follow along and do things exactly the way they want you to do it. So you can see some of that kind of unravel if you if you don't play it the right way but i think beyond that the campaign was a lot of fun and um i feel the same way about the multiplayer too uh which i i've put in a little bit of time for real quick about the single player because i i'm i think i'm about to hit up that alone mission you were talking about yeah uh people some people love that one and hate that one so i don't know where you're gonna land on that it's funny because you talked to me about recon by fire uh Justin again to 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 talk to to bring him up again. He talked to me, he he sung the praises of Dark Water Mission, and Oof. then you talked about alone. So here's the, that's the thing though. It, it there's so much. It's interesting in a good way that there's so much here that people are kind of extrapolating from the game mm-hmm. uh, as to what's good or what's bad or what's like innovative and what's different. And that and I don't really. Th- I can't really think of a of a Call of Duty game that's done that in a long time where it has people conversating about the actual story and the and the mission structure and the things that they did mm-hmm. with the gameplay because usually it's all bombast, right? And right. there and listen, let's not let's not uh let's not lie here. 
Modern Warfare 2 has some bombast moments. Like, sure. They, of a couple course. missions ago, they, go, they had me jumping from car to car like I was some kind of goddamn uh, superhero. <laughs> like, I, like, like Captain America. I was like literally jumping from car to car and t- hijacking the car. It, it, crazy. There's some crazy ass moments in this game for sure. Yeah. But it is, it is kind of all stitched together with these really slow, methodical, mm-hmm. military esque missions. Like, Recon by Fire is absolutely amazing. That's mm-hmm. an incredible mission. Um, but yeah, I just kind of want to throw that out there because these types of conversations when it comes to Call of Duty campaigns don't happen often if at, at all. Not for a while. Not since the nuclear explosion or the um, or the terrorist attack uh, uh, yeah. on the street. Like th- yeah. Those are the only times that people really talk about the story other than specifics. Other than just, oh, it's it's a Tarantino mm-hmm. uh, pulp bombast uh, fair. But I... I, I that's I think that's a mark of a good campaign, and I think Modern Warfare Two is one of the better campaigns of the p- past couple of games. For I would sure, agree. Yeah, I opinion. would agree. I yeah. certainly think it's better than Modern Warfare 2019's campaign by far, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I do too. I, I hated all those. I didn't yeah. like it at all. Um, now for the multiplayer, um, I didn't get a lot of time in before we recorded this one, but I did play a little bit. And I have to say, um, my opinion has improved greatly from how I felt about the beta. Good. Um, I think yes. this this game yes. <laughs> this game feels really, really good. Um, oh, yeah. I think they they must have done a lot to kind of improve the balancing after the beta, which is why I hate playing betas, and I don't, I really don't want to do that again, um, because they 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 seem to have tuned a lot of things to my liking, and they've added some things that I think really made some of the letdowns from the beta uh, completely go away. The biggest one, and I think this one might might make you a little excited again, is for the third-person mode, they've actually added third-person aiming now. So it doesn't jump to first-person anymore. So it's just straight SOCOM style now. And it, okay. it is incredible, dude. Like I, Hashtag bring SOCOM back. Oh, man, bring it back. Because th- that, it works. It just works now. And I get awesome. busy in third-person, man. I got busy. Okay. People are, you could tell people are so used to playing it in first person that they're a little disoriented. I feel right at home. So I'm just, it's, it's headshot city out here, man. That's what they should have named the map. But, um, (laughs) but it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, I actually like the map so far too. I haven't played them all. I'm sure. I think I'm missing a few that I haven't tried yet, but they're a little small, but they, they work. Yeah. They don't feel, it's not the kind of claustrophobic small that annoys me about you know, certain modern warfare maps of the past. It feels like it's just breathable enough, but you still got to stay on your toes. I mean, we'll see how, how well they work as the, as the skill gap increases and people get more used to the meta and stuff. And then we'll kind of figure out what's working and what's not. Yeah. But so far, I like some maps are, I think some maps are going to suffer from spawn uh, camping a little bit. Cause I I did play a few, a few rounds and there was one map that was that was fairly small and i was i was getting in some work uh, on their spawn like i was i was yeah. coming around these corners that were just kind of like pouring out that spawn and i was just kind of picking them off so i think those are those maps people are not going to like too much mm-hmm. and underwater stuff is back shooting underwater yep. uh but um yep. I, but I, I agree with you. I, I, I really like I like the beta. I feel the game is a little more responsive, a little quicker. It's, I think it's faster, it feels like, almost. A little bit. Um, I, I, I'm enjoying this quite a bit, and I'm glad that you are because I, you know, Overwatch is a game that I enjoy uh, quite a bit, but I enjoyed it even more with, with Marco, uh, and so he abandoned me. 
Uh, and oh, so right, maybe we can, uh, <laughs> we can, uh, you know, uh, reconvene uh, here at, at, at the Modern Warfares. Yeah, man. Uh, because but, I, I yeah. just think that overall, this, this as a total product, I think the campaign being as strong as I think it is, and the multiplayer for all intents and purposes being really well made. It makes for a great product. I'm. I, I know. You know. It's. It's. It's so popular to say, "Oh, Call of Duty." You know, with that kind of like snooty yeah. disdain that a lot of like, you know, I don't know, douchey gamers feel because it's not popular like the popular game. I. I think this game deserves a lot of credit. I really do. And and this is I, coming I from somebody I, I have more Black Ops focused than anything with Call of Duty. And I don't really like love love Call of Duty, but I have to give I have to give them their flowers on this one. They really did a good yeah. job. So I recommend it. I really do. Um, and I think we'll be talking about this in our end of the year discussions in, in, I think so in one way or another. I, I think it's not enough. Yeah, I think yeah. it's not enough to to elicit a conversation here at the end of the year. Definitely. Whether that's great or bad, it w- it'll be there for yeah. sure. Yeah, it'll be in some categories for sure. Uh, up next, I also rolled credits on A Plague Tale Requiem. Um, so I wanted to share some mm-hmm. final thoughts on that. And um, man, this one narratively is uh, and we talked about it in the last episode when we were kind of you know a little bit into it but not too far, uh, too far into it I think this game story is incredible um, they did a really good job here and it takes a lot of you know really interesting turns and um, it goes places that I didn't think they'd, they'd really do and um, I'm I'm really curious to see what they do with this IP now because they kind of there, there's some finality to things I'll just say that and and that's really interesting. And they do tease kind of where where they're going next a little bit at the end. Um, but overall, man, I thought the characters, the the overall storyline, and just how all of that narratively came together just felt so great all game long. And it ramps up even more uh, in in the later chapters of of the game. So I think um, this one for me, if you're a story lover and you haven't even played this series at all, you you should definitely invest some time into it. Yeah. Um, what I will say, though, the combat in this game got a little rough for me uh, as time went on. It is extremely stiff. It is very, very wonky in terms of giving you a fun way to, to take down enemies. Um, a lot of it starts to get very clunky towards the end. Um, it gets a little like, here's survive these waves of enemies coming at you from all directions kind of thing. And that just doesn't feel good after a while uh, because the game is not nimble enough. It doesn't make you feel like you have a lot at your disposal to really dispatch the enemies the right way. So I found myself just kind of running for my life a lot of times and then like, but also thinking at the same time, like, what do I need to do to, to get past this? So I just sort of felt like, and then it was also doing that thing where if you use everything you have in your inventory more will respawn around you. Like I used all my bolts and I was like, well, I have no way to kill people that are in armor now, but I run around and then there'd be one that respawns. So you can tell it's like cutting corners to kind of give you the the advantage when it knows you have nothing left in your arsenal. So I I think they, they could have done a better job with that for sure. Yeah. I thought that was so weird that they, that they almost, they, they doubled down on the combat portion of the game in some parts and they didn't do much to kind of improve how the game felt yeah. from the first one. Because I've ran into that myself. Because once you kind of get all the tools to your dis- at your disposal, like when I got the crossbow, I'm like, oh, now I'm just going to be in there wasting over. fools. 
no, it's 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 not like that at all, you know. And it's it's super it's weird because I I, I ran into some of that already where I'm like, oh man, I don't. Why is this happening? Because this isn't the focus of the game. Like, why is mm-hmm. this a part, a portion? Like, and it, and it, and it feels, and it, unfortunately, it, it that does kind of bog down a little bit. But you're right, though. The story so far is amazing. I've not rolled credits on it yet. Absolutely, uh, plan to. Still, the main game that I'm playing the most right now because it is. I love that story. A question for you: mm-hmm. When we talk about stories in video games, I think for us, the 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 the. the the number one game when it comes to that is probably The Last of Us. Um, pound for pound, yeah. Where, how, yeah, how how close does this narrative for you get to that realm of, of storytelling? Oof, when you get to chapter 12 and mm-hmm. beyond, I think that's when you oh, will feel... I'm on chapter 11. You're on so chapter 11. When you get to 12, yeah. you will know that it, this, is, this is the closest a game has felt in terms of like... Well, I don't want to say too much, but it it, okay. it feels very Last of Us-y in, in terms of the fact that, you know, things will go down in this game. And, and you know, it, it will, there is not a lot of armor on, on the characters in, in this game in terms of plot. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you will have to brace for impact, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's, and that's part of what I love about it too. It's that bittersweet, oh man, I can't believe that happened, but I'm so glad that they went there and took that chance narratively, you know, like I, I, it's that feeling. I'm constantly dreading the, the, what's going to happen in this game because the way they build these relationships with these, with certain characters. And again, I won't even, I won't even allude to what I'm talking to and what can possibly become of that relationship, the outcome, the world that they live in, mm-hmm. how, how anything could happen. Anybody could die. You know, it, it just, it just feels like, oh man, I'm, are they going to go where I think they're going to go? Cause I'm not, my, my body's not ready. My soul's not ready for this emotional roller coaster of a game. So, uh, so I, I guess, I guess what I'm, I guess what I, I want from you, I'm gonna give you a little more pushback is how close does it get? to to the last of us though like is it is it like one is it close to that or is it maybe a couple of rings below it in terms of a story i'm just trying to kind of it's quantify. a few ticks below i i don't think i don't okay, think there's yeah. anything that's going to come close to what you know the things that go down in one and two but there it, the ending the ending the the final three to four chapters of that game from 12 on yeah. i think um it comes up for air enough where it's not too gloom and doom but it, yeah. there's a lot of things that are coming to a head and uh and, yeah, and it does feel very like wow that happened it, damn you know and here we right. go okay so you know there's a lot of like man i i you know it, it's like the when something happens you kind of have to like step away and go man that yeah. that happened right wow you know right. and that was just, that was just a really crazy moment that just took place it's not quite last of us levels but it is it is in that ballpark i will say that all right yeah, because the, the reason I ask is because everything so far leading up to whatever I think is going to happen feels of that quality. Like, feels yeah. like, man, this could this could be right up there w- w- with Last of Us in terms of, like, storytelling. Mm-hmm. So, that's good to know. So, I'm, I'm super excited to get to that. I um definitely going to wrap this up before Please uh, do. God of War. Please do. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, uh, and, cool and, week, so. uh, yeah and, and all of you that are listening, story-driven gamer, play it. Please play it. Play um, it. Yeah. Last up on my list... A game called Signalis. Uh, this just came out um, on Game Pass. It's also available on other consoles as well. Um, I'm playing it on Xbox, of course, because I have Game Pass. Uh, this is a really interesting indie game because it is um, 
this retro old school Resident Evil style um, PS1 graphics looking survival horror title, but like kind of top down and a little bit of a sci-fi twist. Um, I, that was a mouthful uh, for sure. But <laughs> this um, this game is, it, in so many words, it's trying to tap into what makes old school survival horror games so great. And it, it leans into a lot of old school elements, uh, everything from... Uh, not, I'm not talking like tank controls per se, but like just the way that the overall pace and feel and the puzzle solving aspects of old school RE games, um, even down to the menu system of, of having a limited amount of, of items in your, in your inventory, uh, the same layout as how Silent Hill's inventory system looks for better or for worse. Um, and so it is. Uh, it's taking all that. It's adding in some uh, pixel art elements, old school PS one elements, and really bringing in awesome presentation with music and atmosphere, uh, art style, and it is incredible. Um, if you are a survival horror fan, if you have an Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, whatever, and you are looking for something that feels that 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 old school way, but with like some modern twists. Uh, I think this is the game for you by far. Uh, this game has potential to be in my top ten if it stays the course with what it's doing. Um, the only thing that's probably subjective right now for me is the storytelling because it's very. Um, it is a little bit on the obscure side. Um, it is not. Um, it is not exactly like it's not hitting you over the head with like, oh, there's zombies in this house type of thing. It is very Im- like implied storytelling, inferred storytelling through um, the uh, like like the stuff you'll find, like like posters on yeah. walls or like documents that you find that tell you kind of where you are or what happened and things like that. You do run into other characters uh, every now and again that kind of give you a little bit more exposition, but overall you're kind of on your own figuring stuff out in real time. And I think that's going to be pretty divisive between people. Um, I personally sure like it is. because I think it's gratifying though. Uh, I think this, this, the way they do it works for me because it's not, it's not gobbledygook. Like you can connect dots. Yeah. You can go, Oh, this is the ship. And then that happened, which is why these people turned into that. And now this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's not like, it's not trying to be like, like, you know, like Elden Ring was, where it's just arrogantly obtuse. Like, you don't get yeah, what yeah. we mean, do you? <laughs> you know, it, it's not like that. So I, I love it so far, and I think it's a great game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I threw it on because it's getting great reviews and Marco's uh, seeing its praises. But I, I, I went in there, and I'm like, okay, as soon as I saw this puzzle that I would have to kind of, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, and it's, it's all contextual, and I had to find something to tell. I'm like, you know what? I don't. This is not for me. I'm not even going to pretend, you know, yeah. again, just because it's getting great reviews doesn't mean that we have to jump into it because it's just, it's not going to, it's never been a game kind of game that I liked till this wasn't going to be it for me, but I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. This uh, one is incredible. Marco, man. You're eating well, man. Yes, we are. Yeah. I love, I love little surprises like this that you weren't expecting yeah. to even like, you know, you had your Marvel snap moment. I have my signalis moment. Uh, yeah. I think we are happy campers this week when it comes for to sure. loadouts, for sure. no doubt. Uh, but that is going to do it for loadouts this week. Let's go ahead and shift gears and get into the news segment of the show that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, man. So we have two 
items on our hit points segment this week, and uh, these are interesting ones uh, that both pertain to franchises that you and me both adore. So this is a pretty exciting week of news for both of us, but let's kick it over to you first uh, and tell me what our first hit point news item is, if you don't mind. Well, this is some of the best news I've received all year when it comes to video games, and that is CD Projekt has officially announced that Witcher, the Witcher remake which will be built in Unreal Engine 5 to overhaul the first game in the series, which released all the way back in 2007. The remake is in the early stages of development, Mm -hmm. so CD Projekt has stated that it will be a while before we see how the game is coming along. With that said, as fans of The Witcher, like we are, how do we feel about this announcement, and is this a good move? Marco, what do you think? Yeah, um, I have to say I was pretty happy to hear this to be honest, because I think um, the first game is kind of stranded in the past, and it's stranded on PC, and for as much as this franchise has evolved and, um, you know, obviously advanced into other mediums, like TV, uh, this is a good move. I think it's it's a great palate cleanse to show people how it all started for Geralt and company, and, and, um, and obviously, you know, I think that it's a great goodwill gesture to kind of bring us back to the Witcher again after the rocky road of cyberpunk and, and kind of show us like what got CD project to this place of prominence, like they were at and what better way to do that than to show us how it all started basically. And I think this is a really cool idea. Now I think they're going to, they're going to have their work cut out for them with the actual remake because a lot of that was so PC centric that um, figuring out how they're going to convert that to a modern, uh, a modern style is going to be interesting. Yeah. And, um, and I also think that what they do with this remake will be kind of telling as to what to expect from the new trilogy too, like in terms That's of right. gameplay mechanics and what they add in. Um, I'm just hoping, and I, I'm, I think you might agree with me here. I'm hoping they kind of do the same thing with um, the second game as well. If you're if Absolutely. you're if you're giving us the next gen up, update of The Witcher Three, which is coming, from what we know, it's still coming this year, and you're doing yeah. this, I they, think, and they've reiterated that that it is coming this year. Yeah, so I I think if you're gonna if you're gonna touch two out of three, you might as well just you might as well just you know deal with all three of them and and just get them all up to speed and and they, uh, modernize. So I love this. Though. They have to. Yeah, yeah I, I, they have to. I think two is a lot closer to three in terms of like how the gameplay is and, and what the game is. You know, um, when you when you, I played two um, after three, uh, I I got into all that. I was like, oh, this is kind of like the this is more like what you would expect from three because one is crazy. Uh, like mm. there's like a asymm like a overhead view and also a third person view. It's very menu based and it's like very alchemy centric. Like it's all about alchemy in that game. It, you can't do anything without mixing potions or anything like that. It's very much like that. So I do wonder what kind of advancements we'll see. But you're right. You know, even though this is a game, the first game in the series. Interestingly enough, this game is going to inform the rest of the the, the new trilogy for sure. So I'm I'm super excited for this. I I I I've I want to play Witcher like from the start, and then I wanna I want them to to go ahead and and do Witcher two man and really and really make that from the ground up because that 
that has the potential to have those conversations with like uh i think at least like oh what's better what's your three or what's your two especially when you remake it uh, to the point where it's like Un- unreal five and everything because the stories of two are re- really awesome i yeah. think three really kind of takes the cake with the side missions and how all that bleeds into into the main missions and all that stuff so i wonder if they'll, if they'll go that far with one i really would be disappointed if it they take the pc game and they just remake it well unreal five but with all the trappings from the first one i do feel it's an antiquated kind of uh, game at this mm-hmm. point i think it needs to be more like witcher 3 in its gameplay but definitely being that's unreal 5 and it's a new game in this it's new it's the newest game of the witcher uh, uh trilogy at that point that it would should have enough to where it's like like you said it's going to inform the future of the franchise so exactly they have like you said they have their work cut out for them but this is extremely exciting um more Witcher, please. Yeah. More Witcher, please. Yeah, this was this is great news. Um, because yeah. I was concerned when they when they did their their call or whatever when they announced the like the the project names, you know, and I forgot yeah. what this one was called. I thought I thought it was just gonna be like a spinoff, you know, and that would have been fine, um, I guess. But you know, I, I'm and I'm still kind of expecting that. I still I'm I feel like there's gonna be a Siri exclusive game probably in the future of this of this pipeline. <laughs> Um, but you know, I I think the fact that they oh act- okay okay I got what you said as a Siri like an Apple Siri <laughs> no sir <laughs> like what's like what are you talking about nah, now have they Cirilla. confirmed that the new trilogy is Geralt yeah I don't think they they, they haven't confirmed the new if the new trilogy is is Geralt centric right not yet yeah so that's what okay. I that's what I'm wondering are they gonna like. Are they gonna like have dual leads, or is it gonna? Or are they yeah. gonna have Siri have her own game? So that's that's initially what I thought this could be when they yeah. first announced this like project name. I'm like, uh, maybe this is gonna be like a spinoff for yeah, Siri. Was, but Canis Majoris, Canis Majoris, that's what it was. Um, yeah, yeah, rolls off the tongue. Um, but yeah, no, excited Perfect. about this. I think this is a great idea, and uh, like I said earlier, a great way to kind of get recalibrated uh, with with the fans of CD Projekt, and obviously, more Witcher is always uh, more good news. So I am excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe you'll be excited about this too, Pablo. To celebrate Fallout's 25th anniversary, Bethesda has announced that a free next-gen update for Fallout 4 will be coming in 2023. The update will include a new performance mode, a 4K quality mode, bug fixes, bonus content, and more. So, Pablo, I kind of have a two-part question here, and I want to start with this one first, and then I'll I'll dive into the next one. But as we reflect back on Fallout 4, uh, what made this game special to you? Yeah, I think what made it special was uh, the story, uh, specifically the fact that uh, it's, you know, the the thing could be made about, oh, but you're doing everything else and you're ignoring the story, like in terms of like the main story, like in in three, you're finding your father. This one, you're trying to find your son. And I just, I love like the very early portions of that game. It's like a detective game where you're trying to find Mm -hmm. out what's going on with your son. And then ultimately the twist at the end as to who is your your son actually is but really what also added to that are the companions of the game i think companions in fallout 4 absolutely fantastic depending on who you pick but i think they're really dope i like their banter between each other um valentine is absolutely incredible one of the one of the best fallout characters of all time in my opinion and i I just really love the the entire environment of the game i I love everything that they did uh a lot of things were made about it's not really that huge of an advancement between three and four but i think it was i think it just graphically that engine sucks so it just it didn't really look like this like incredible game but uh i i love 
the story. I love the companions. I it's just it's just a really well done, well made Fallout game, and I think it gets too much shit, and it's 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 amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think um, you know a lot of those people who complained about Fallout Four are kind of the purists that wanted the the dice roll kind of RPG in the background, and 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 didn't really want to see the the series become more accessible. You know, when you think about like the yeah. the the gap between Mass Effect One and Two in terms of like RPG mechanics and that gradual shift they made towards kind of going in a more action adventure direction than RPG, I think a lot of people had a lot of concerns that this, it was going to be the same issue with Fallout and uh, with Fallout Four, and I think that was really unfounded. I think that game was still very deep and complex and and had a lot of interesting. Yeah elements and features and mechanics under the hood that worked really well i think some of it was a little fluffy i didn't like any of the base building stuff i thought that was complete junk. i didn't even mention that i hated that i hated yeah. that but i i think but it was ignorable you didn't have to deal with it unless there was like one right. or there was like one or two missions where you had no choice early on yeah, yeah yeah but um otherwise i thought that the narrative focus was a really good you know change for the better voicing the lead protagonist was was a good move in my opinion i don't care what anybody I says i liked it yeah um so i you know it's a game that I've come back to a lot, you know, and I think it it is, you know, even though it's so typically Bethesda to like remake and or re-release another game that they've that's like Skyrim syndrome. I think yeah. this one this one kind of would benefit from from it though for me. You know, so I, I I think it does need a little bit of that facelift for next gen because I, I like coming back to it. It's a game that I've played two or three times and I still think about that game to this day. So it would be nice to be able to I- dabble again. And I like, I love three, I love New Vegas, but four is the one that I played the most. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I played, yeah, yeah, constantly and consistently. I, it's, I mean, matter of fact, this year I put like fifteen hours into it, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy that I kind of fell off of it just for this. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. I, I will say though, uh, looking back, this isn't shouldn't be so much of a surprise because the show comes out next next year, uh, the Fallout show on Amazon. So yep. this is this makes sense, but I'm not gonna let them off the hook yet. I think they have to do more with Fallout because waiting, what, 10, 10 years for Fallout uh, 5 is going to be insane, yeah. guys. It's just not going to make no sense. They have to they have to either remake Fallout 3, remake Vague, New Vegas, or do something with 1 and 2 where they bring him into that form. Something has to be done here because I love this. I think it's going to be great. This is just a next-gen upgrade. It's going to look a little better. It's going to run a little better. Hopefully, a lot of the bugs are out the way. Mm-hmm. I, 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 They have to do more. One of the things that I feel like they should do is embrace the modding community a little bit more. There's a game coming out called Fallout London, which is an unofficial, uh, massive uh, expansion that takes not only does it take place in London, it is it is as big as Far Harbor in terms of its story. And I think and that's only coming to PC because of the modding stuff. I think they should embrace that a little more and let people play those kind of things onto the mm-hmm. because you can mod you can bring mods over in, in in the console versions. Just just to be a little bit more open about that kind of stuff because Fallout fans like us. We're gonna need to eat yeah. when it comes to this, and 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 this is good. This just isn't enough to carry me for ten years. Well, that's the thing, and that and that's what leads us yeah. into the second part of this question, which is how we feel about the past, present, and future of Fallout as a whole. Yeah. Um, you know, w- with this anniversary here, I, and I think you tapped into a lot of what I was going to say about that because I think the past is solidified. It's 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 an all time yeah. iconic franchise, and I don't think there there isn't too much they can do to to tarnish that. 
Um, but they Fallout have 76, for example. But they have made mistakes. Yeah, Fallout 76, prime example. And I think that's where it kind of leads into where, where you're talking about, the present and future of Fallout. You can't make people wait this long for a new Fallout. You can't do that. And I think if you're Xbox, Phil Spencer, you've got to figure this out because you can't let a franchise that is this important and this popular and successful be stuck in a in a long queue of Starfield first, then the next Elder Scrolls, and then the next Fallout. I don't think you can do that. Um, yeah. So I don't know if the answer is maybe we give Fallout to another studio. I don't think you can make that Obsidian because their plates are pretty full too, but... I, I think they have to really figure that out because the the notion that we are potentially 10 or 11 or 12 years away from playing the Fallout 5 game we want is that's bananas. So there's no way they can do that. They have to come up with a solution to that. Let me ask you a question. If they remade from the ground up New Vegas, would that be enough to carry us to Fallout 5 in in a couple of years? Or... If they, they take the Capcom uh, approach and they remake 3 and Vegas within that time frame to, um, you know, at the to, to carry us to the new Fallout. Because I think, I think I would be okay with that. I, in fact, I know I would be okay with that. Um, but will they do that? You know, because I don't know. Uh, the whole drama between Bethesda and Obsidian when Obsidian did New Vegas... And Bethesda did three, and how they they were kind of salty. Bethesda was with with the how Vegas came out. So I, well, I say that to say Bethesda specifically, Todd Howard is very possess very possessive about his things. He likes what he likes, and he wants to be able to be behind that. So I don't know if we're ever gonna get a different studio making a brand new Fallout game. However, if they remade those two games within that time frame. I would be okay with with that in in that because I feel like you keep the franchise in the conversation. Uh, you keep two iconic games, three in New Vegas, and, and bring them into the, into the new generation of, of consoles and, and PC hardware. And I think mm. you really uh, it, there's a lot of people who play games now who who don't, have never played Vegas or or or, or three. So yeah. you know, keep that in the conversation in, in that way. And look, that's done wonders for for Capcom and and um, and Resident Evil. So I think that that's definitely something that can that can work here. Um, because I I don't know how I'm gonna feel in ten years where it's like oh Fallout. Five is announced, and we haven't seen anything except this Fallout Four next gen upgrade. Right, it's gonna be, it's right. gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, they have to do something to bridge the gap for sure. I, I don't even, yeah. I don't care if it's a remake or a, a side story or something. But like, if you're going all in with like a TV show and stuff like that, then you are hoping for the best in terms of like people really wanting to to experience Fallout. So you have to have something waiting for those people at the end of the day. Uh, whether it's a remake yeah. or something new, so hopefully they'll they'll figure that out. But um, there's been rumors about New Vegas remake, but I don't know who would be doing that. So. Yeah, I don't I don't know who they could assign that kind of task. But hopefully, you know, it's not like a three four three type of issue where it's passed from the creators to a studio that's built to make a Fallout and they can't make a good Fallout Ugh. kind of syndrome. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, that, that's my worry. You don't want that. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's something to keep an eye on, and we have plenty of years to keep an eye on it, uh, according to what kind of is the pipeline for, for Bethesda, unfortunately. Um, but that is going to do it for Hit Points uh, in this week's episode of the show. Uh, so, Pablo, I think it's time to go ahead and transition into the main event of the show that we call The Checkpoint Chat. Ask me, ask me, ask me. 
It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, man. So, uh, you know, since this episode is dropping on Halloween and people will still have, uh, you know, Halloween kind of on their mind, we thought it'd be cool to come up with a topic for this episode that kind of taps into that. And uh, with all the revivals of the industry's uh, most popular horror franchises and even the rumor as of late of Square even getting back into the mix with bringing Parasite Eve back into the fold, which I'm excited about. Um, We thought this would be a cool time to grab our proverbial shovels, go to the horror game graveyard and dig out six dead horror franchises that we want to revive. So uh, me and Pablo came up with three choices each. We're going to go round robin and briefly explain uh, our picks and why we think they would be uh, good franchises to bring back in the modern gaming era. Um, So Pablo, I think let's go ahead and kick it over to you first and tell us what your first revival is of a uh, dead horror franchise. Yeah, my first revival is a game that I enjoy quite a bit, and that's First Encounter Assault Recon, or as it's better known as Fear. Fear. Uh, Fear. So, I mean, look, this game is is super interesting uh, because it is a military shooter, but it's also a horror game. And I like the way this game starts off because, you know, obviously you know what it is, but... You know, it, it kind of eases you into it. You know, you're going in there, uh, guns a blazing. It is a, a one part uh, shooter, military shooter, and then, like I said, one part atmospheric uh, horror game. And once the horror shit starts to kick in, uh, this this game does a lot with atmospheric storytelling and kind of like uh, changing the level that you're currently in, and all of a sudden you're in this like otherworldly environment. Mm-hmm. And it 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 at one part makes you feel powerful with the assault rifles and all that stuff, and then they just they become completely useless at times. And I like that the, the change because a lot of the first person horror games now, like Soma and, and all those games that you, you guys know of, don't really focus uh, on combat. It's more about you know. Your first person it's about immersion uh this is about that but also it does have spliced into those moments of fear these pretty this military shooter like a la call of duty or something like that and that really does a lot because it, it really changes up those moods and, and kind of really puts these uh moments where like these scary moments that these 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 uh what they call like the 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 jump scares, mm-hmm. right? They, they put those in the middle of, of a mission that you, for like the first 10 minutes, there's nothing scary going on. All of a sudden it starts to slowly uh, break down and you're like, oh shit. Like it, it's, this is a really great uh, uh, franchise. It's a franchise that devolves a little bit into the absurd when it comes to the story and it get really nasty with the pregnancy shit and, 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 and Alma and, and, and it, it, it got real crazy. But yeah. I think that th- remaking the first game would be absolutely ideal here. I think that with graphically with the way it looks with the way graphics, what graphics can do today and bringing this game to that forefront, this would be outstanding. Uh, I, I fear is absolutely amazing in that way. And I, I'm curious, you have any experience with fear? I played the first one. Um, and oh, I yeah. think the second one's the best one. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I don't remember getting around to the net to, to the second or third at all, but, yeah. um, I, what I remember the most was the AI. The enemy AI was yeah. really yeah. good, and I felt like, wow, yeah. these guys are smart. Like it was, it was actually enjoyable to go up against those enemies because it was like they can kind of tell what I'm trying to do, and for the time, and they that also, was pretty awesome. Yeah, and they call it out. So if you're playing, you can hear them like mm-hmm. oh, we're flanking left, flanking right. Like, That's what they, I, yeah, they have I was a like, whole oh, they system. Know. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So that so was kind of fire. There's a lot of that. Yeah. And it just, it looks, it, at the time, it looked absolutely amazing. So it, it was definitely a looker then. So I'm, I'm, I would be excited for the, to see more of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's an easy win. I think they should make this happen. It, it's, it's kind of weird that it's, it's been dead for so long because the last time we got one of these was in 2011 with Fear 3. There was a, uh, a weird, of course, there was a, um, a MMO version or a shooter or multiplayer I I think that, that died because it, it became uh it, it opened it died in the open beta like oh, it was okay. only live for a couple of months and then I was like never mind because this is not what those games are about so uh <laughs> but yeah fear is definitely a game that I would love to see revived from the dead uh probably I would say this I don't know if you if you have this all written in yours but like I at the end of each one, I'll, I have what I think would be best, uh, a, a sequel or a remake or a reimagining. But I think Fear would, would be best as a remake. If you remake that first game and really get people into it, perhaps maybe from that point on, yeah. uh, I can do see the that. rest of the series. I would say either yeah. Re- yeah, remake, reboot, kind of one of the two, either or. Yeah, yeah. you do remake, reimagining, because yeah. I think that the story at three just it goes off rail. It is it is disgusting. Uh, so <laughs> <It's> okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of uh, yeah. I, I wish I had put more time into that series, but I just didn't get around yeah. to it at the time. Um, it's hard to go back to it now for sure. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I get you. Uh, so my number one pick here uh, is a series called Condemned. This is what a, a game. This is a franchise that uh, launched on Xbox 360 uh, as an exclusive. Uh, and uh, it received a sequel uh, back in 2008 called Condemned 2 Bloodshot. And um, after that, it was gone. And so it's been 14 years. Um, but man, this one for me was easily one of my favorite franchises in the genre, period. Because Hell yeah. it took this, um, it took the horror stuff, it put it in first person. And then it added this police slash detective component to it. Um, And it just had this grimy undercurrent that was always unsettling. And it's one of the few times for its time where melee combat was actually enjoyable for me because it felt so up close and personal and weird. And the enemies that were coming at you, they looked like all warped and like cult like and stuff. It was so dope. Um, so I had a ball with this franchise. The second game, I think where they went left was they tried to make it edgy. And so they took this like really straight-laced detective from the first game and they made his hair grow out and get grungy. And, oh, you didn't you didn't like you didn't like to? Oh, I thought it was terrible. I thought it was absolutely really? terrible. <laughs> and they just turned I him like into to. this like like this this gravelly edge lord and I'm like what is this? This it's is true. nothing it's like true. the it was a product of its time. You can tell they but were But that bear scene though. Uh, the bear scene I hated that. I thought that was awful. Really? The the bear yeah, scene I, I that thought thing. that was brutally bad. But um I I think this would be an excellent idea for a comeback. Um and I don't know who owns the IP anymore. I don't I don't recall. Marco, but you don't I, you know what's interesting about that pick, and I just I thought about it. And I'm like, I think that's what happened. The reason Condemned Two died was because of fear. Uh, uh, Monolith Productions is the one that made Fear and Condemned. Oh, that's right. Uh, they made both those they games. Did. So they made Fear, then they made Condemned One and Two in a three year span, and then they made Fear Two, Project Origins, which mm. is the best one. Uh, so you know that's funny. And then they went on to make the, the same people that went on to make Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. So um, got you. 
Yeah. yeah. So it's funny that our first, and this is not even on purpose. The yeah, first two games that we picked are games made by the same studio. So hey, I mean, we got to start looking at Monolith Productions as a underrated kind of one of those maybe, studios because they maybe. they they're making some bangers. They've made uh uh yeah they made Fear. They did the Matrix Online, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, uh, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War, and they're doing Wonder Woman that's coming out in uh mm. TBA. But yeah, yeah, dope. Yeah, this yeah. this is an excellent franchise that I think. And if I had to say how I'd want it to come back, I think it needs a reboot. Um, I think it would, it would need yeah. to. Fuck man, that first game was so dope. It was. It, it it just it was perfectly paced. The story was just right. It it didn't get too wacky, but it got just unsettling enough to go oh this feels like i need i need a shower after playing this game it, it just felt right um i haven't come back to it ever since then so i don't know how well it holds up i'm sure it doesn't well not good yeah not the first one the, fir- the second one actually it holds up fairly decent mm. the first one is a, it's a muddled mess i've tried it recently in the last couple of years yeah a muddled mess muddled um, muddled all right well it, it looks you like <laughs> like monolith productions still owns the the, oh, the right because it's, it's published it's sega owns the oh, publishing rights by it okay too, so okay uh come on sega? so I, I don't know man sega loves to, to do some remakes let's do it come on man come on the streets i would love this it. i would love this man um, that's a great pick yeah that's yeah. a great pick all right, what do you well, got for your next one, my guy? My second pick is, you know, I almost didn't have this on my list, but Marco kind of reminded me of it. Uh, reminded me of it, and this is an absolute stunner of a game. It's the Darkness One and Two, easily one of the most underrated franchises in the past few decades, specifically when it comes to the horror franchise. What is really dope about this game is that you, Johnny Estacado. Mm-hmm. It, you are the horror. You're, you're the fear in this game. Yes. You, you're, you're, you're what causes the, the horror elements of the game. And that is something I've never seen done before or, or since, honestly. Maybe, I maybe, uh, that maybe one they, game Carrion was that, that indie game Carrion oh, was kind of right. like that. Carrion was very, absolutely. The, you were the, the, the blob monster. Yes. Yeah. Good one. That's a good one. That's a good game. Um, yeah, man, the darkness is great because it is a super, weird mixture of this mafioso storyline mixed with this demon that's within the bloodline of the estacado family that it becomes uh that that revives in your blood on your 21st birthday after a, a mob hit goes wrong like what the fuck like that's insane like what <laughs> yeah. what did i what word just came out of my mouth that's insanity what i just said <laughs> but that's the plot of this game marco what's funny is that i when you reminded me of that of, of reminded me of that game i went into my xbox downloaded the first game and played the first 20 30 minutes it is actually, and and it it is not that bad. Like it doesn't hold up that bad. But the problem is the the opening of that game was written, produced, and directed by someone on cocaine. Uh, because it is absolutely <laughs> insanity throughout. It's like what the fuck. Like anyway, I would love this game to come out. As a as a remake, one and two mm-hmm. bundle it because I think as it as is, I think it's it's absolutely uh, great. I think that they do a lot of the a lot of the stuff with with the with, with the voice acting. Um, ooh, I mean, I forgot the guys. Oh, Mike Patton, which yes. is he's the voice of 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 the darkness. <laughs> oh That's man, insane. it is so good. It is so good. I uh, Johnny Estacado's voice actor changed from one and two, I believe, but still, it's the it's the mafioso kind of there's nothing special there but i love that story 
I think that the the the, the game, especially two, goes to really weird places that I think work. Uh, you legitimately go to hell in, in part mm-hmm. two. Um, I, I I love this series. I, I think it is a it is a it's a shooter, but it's also you know it's also like this demonic, you know, this demonic being, and just seeing the fear in people's faces, like when you take those things out, and people are like they they, yeah. they have like the shocked face and take a couple steps back, mm-hmm. and you eat their hearts, and it's bro, it is it is fantastic this game, like I I love the darkness, <laughs> yeah. and I, we just need more of this. It was it's a game that really I don't think it did well um, when it first came out. It was like um, a cult classic a, because people liked Starbreeze, the people that made the first, you know, yeah, yeah. because of the Chronicles of Riddick game from the original Xbox. They had that like, yeah. oh, they they make they quietly make bangers kind of thing, and they yeah. they delivered again. And I so, think yeah, so yeah, um, and and part two does. Part two does um, it looks better because of the art style. The cell shaded. They changed the style, art style yeah. to a little bit more cell shaded mm-hmm. style, uh, which people hated at the time. I, I like remember it. myself being like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. But when you play it today, it's like, "Oh, this is actually kind of cool because it's specifically because of the darkness. Mm-hmm. It looks, it just." pops off the screen it looks awesome so i think it was a smart choice in terms of the longevity of it but yeah part but i think that's also a technology a technological thing because part one does seem a little bit definitely old and two just seems like it could it could be a game that only came out a few years ago so yeah i'm here for more darkness please make it happen absolutely won't happen but it would be awesome to see more of this for sure i i I think and and again a remake yeah, yeah, I hope so. I mean, it was based on a comic as well, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, which I, I I read the first compendium a couple of months ago. As a matter oh, fact. really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it is um, it's weird. Yeah, I'd <laughs> imagine weird. it is. Yeah, the whole premise is weird to begin with. But I thought this yeah. is this is still two of my favorite games of all time, hands down. Uh, the yeah. stories, two yeah, of my yeah, favorites yeah. of all time, hands down. So I, 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 so good. I really, really miss this series so much, and uh, I think it would benefit greatly from coming back now, especially with the comic book ties. It's not a DC or Marvel kind of thing in a way, but it still has that, hopefully, maybe one day, someday, it has that appeal of like, you know, when studios are still reaching for comic book franchises because they need to have one, maybe this is one that somebody will dig out and go, actually, this one was pretty good, So, but we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath, though, unfortunately, but... um. Let me go ahead and jump into my second choice here. So, um, my pick uh, as choice number two is Left for Dead. Um, for many of you, this probably was a no-brainer uh, to, to hear this on our list, but I think it's important to still sing this game's praises. I think, number one, it's really important to start with the fact that PvE games have been hit and miss over the last couple of years. I think that's pretty safe to say. There's always been a real challenge with making those games compelling, even when you're trying to make a game that is literally the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. Back 4 Blood, to me, underwhelmed in a plethora of ways. It had the look, but it didn't have what was needed under the hood to make that game special. And I think that says a lot about how great of a game the Left 4 Dead series was, one and two, and how relevant it would be if it were to come back now. Because I think there were just certain things ingrained in that game's design style, whether it was the director that kind of uh, acts as the AI that sort of produces the horror kind of elements that you run into together, or just yeah. the, 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 the perfectly tuned teamwork and the balance of the weapons and things like that, the, the map design... 
um, all the way down to presentation and style. I think that series nailed it. And um, to this day, it's still one of my favorite franchises to go back and think about. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I always I always wish there was a, a game that truly delivered in the ways that that one did. And I really hope Back for Blood would, would have been the one, but it just, it fell short. Yeah. So I think there's a place for this series to make a comeback. I don't think it needs a remake or anything. I just need, I just need a part three. Give me a part three and I'm a happy camper. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually Left 4 Dead 2 is the only game I actually still play on my PC. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, here's funny because uh, uh, Back for Blood really kind of fucked me up, for lack of a better term, because <laughs> okay. I'm like, I'm like, I don't think Left 4 Dead is would work now, because Back 4 Blood had all the, you know, had all the trappings of that game, and uh, it just didn't work. But then when you really think about it. Left 4 Dead was just special. They, they, mm-hmm. they like you said, the the, the game director, uh, even like stuff like the placement of the the zombies, the witch, and all that stuff. It really, they really know how to make that game uh, pop. And how every, even though you replayed each of those missions, it was always different. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I, yeah. So yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I think that Left 4 Dead is definitely something that I would love to see. Yeah. Come. Th- you're right. Part three, man. Let, let's see that part three. It's been I thirteen if, if, years, y'all. Come on. Yeah. So. Yeah, and they, they just did Left 4 Dead 2 just had a, uh, like, a year, two years ago had a uh, a new map added to mm-hmm. it, and so they're supporting it-ish. But then again, unfortunately, it's a studio that's a, Valve just doesn't make video games, man. Yeah, you know, so it's hard. It's hard it's, it's to, tough. Yeah. It's hard to see a future where that could actually happen, but I feel like it'd be such a great win because, you know, it again, you know, a lot of these other PvE experiences, they just try to do too much, you know? Like, why, why did Back yeah. 4 Blood really have to have a card system in there? Like, what was the point of that? You know, it's just unnecessarily yeah. trying to, quote-unquote, modernize a formula that doesn't really need a lot. You just have to do a good job at the basics. And I think that is the quintessential reason why I think Left 4 Dead still could work today. It mastered the basics. basics. And I think that's special. Absolutely. That's, so, good. that's well put. Yeah, yeah, that's well put. So yeah. you have a very interesting third pick. I'm curious yes. to hear how you're going to pitch this to me because I almost I almost text you. I'm like, you sure? <laughs> but you got yeah, it, man. man. Look, Talk to me. This is Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare. And I am. I, and the reason why is I'm not really talking about this game as Red Dead Redemption as a this needs to be redone or remade. Mm. I think Undead Nightmare should be a staple in all of Rockstar's video games. Meaning, Grand Theft Auto V should have had an Undead, Undead Nightmares DLC. Red Dead Redemption 2 should have had an Undead Nightmares uh, DLC. And it should have been as comprehensive and as expansive as Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmares was. Because that co- took a game and completely flipped it on its head and just... Mi- just made it a, ho- a zombie survival horror game with the storytelling of a Rockstar game. And I, I don't know if anybody, if anybody would be upset that every Rockstar game, every entry into Grand Theft Auto or every entry into Red Dead Redemption would end up having, a couple of years later, an Undead Nightmares DLC. Would you be upset if if, uh, if Grand Theft Auto V had Undead Nightmares in that big-ass city map? As a single player experience? No, but I, I almost feel like it'd be hard for them to make a full game. They would make it like a seasonal event or something whack like that for GTA yeah, oh yeah, Online. T- today, today for sure. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, that's that, that's kind of... But I'm talking about perfect world scenario. Oh, yeah. Well, going back to yeah, those I'd, days. I'd love to see that. It would be absolutely incredible. And the same thing with Red Dead Redemption 2. I, and a lot has been made about zombie games and, and, and all the... But this is... 
this is one of the best zombie games of all time. It, honestly, like when you in terms of the, the story, in terms of the gameplay, everything you thought about Red Dead Redemption completely flipped on its head. Uh, and now it's a zombie survival game. Like, come on. And it works. And it's absolutely amazing. And for me, I just feel like this would be so dope. Because, but because they've gone away from expansions, like you know, the Ballad of Gay Tony and and, and all these really dope stories, like uh, S- Saints and Sinners, uh, that really expanded the world in a specific way. But Red Dead Redemption, uh, Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmares expanded in a way that you would have never thought, and it worked. It's like a what 15 hour, 20 hour experience. It has, th- it has what, what's smart about it is it has all the points of the original game, like going into Mexico and having a a a, a music uh, moment like it has all those points but on an undead nightmare level in terms of a scary nightmare it has like the monster mash going into Mexico <laughs> like it, it's just things like that obviously it would be hard for them to be uh, creative with it and, and make a good version each of the outings but that's on them that's what they pay them the big bucks for but if they can like do something like this for every major release which they don't have many of if you think about it five uh Red Dead Redemption 2 the last couple of you know deck and the decade or uh, and a half so why not you know this would be absolutely great um because we're talking about horror games man this is this is this is this is in that vein so I that's why I picked Red Dead Redemption 2 as Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare as my uh third entry here and I think they should do it do it Rockstar you, you better do it my my son wants you to do it. He's he, he wants it. He doesn't he know me. it. He doesn't talk yet, but he, 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 he wants it. He don't he know nothing about no? redemption yet, because uh, he ain't <laughs> failed yet. Um, That's true. So here's the thing: I would love to see this. The problem is, yeah, Rockstar's bandwidth is yeah, all yeah, the yeah. way on GTA to the point where they canceled other projects, other remakes, or, for sure. And it's just so unfortunate because I think this would be an awesome thing happen. to see. Yeah. Yeah. This will never happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a shame. It's a shame that you already know, like, this is this is never going to take place again. And yeah. if it was, it should have happened, obviously, a couple of years after Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. And it, I think yeah. I think they've dropped the ball just in general with with producing more story content for for part two anyway. Like, I would have loved to have seen yeah. a Sadie Adler um, side story, God. something like, like how do you just just how do you create a character like missed that? Missed opportunity. And then do nothing yeah. with it. Yeah, and there's and that's it, and that's it until hopefully they make a, a three uh, at some point in in my lifetime, probably same year that Fallout Five three. comes out. And if they do that, it better be Sadie Adler because I think she's oh, it has to. I, I'm dying fantastic. to play a Sadie Adler game. That was that was just such a cool yeah. character, but um, yeah, good but very interesting pick for sure. Um, my yeah. third pick uh, for a horror game to revive is Dino Crisis. So the last time we saw this series was back in 2003. Uh, what a time. Uh, Dino Crisis 3 comes out. <laughs> it is terrible. Dino Crisis 3 is not good. It's not a good time. It is oh, a bad, bad time. And you kind of feel at, in that era, it's like, okay, this should probably go away. The problem was, yeah, it probably should have gone away, but I didn't want it to go away forever. I didn't, I didn't, want, it, right. I didn't want it to be a permanent going away uh because i think there was a lot of brilliance to um the series before they kind of jumped the shark and kind of bungled everything and you know it's a it's it's such a unique time for capcom back in the day when this series first came out because 
Resident Evil was obviously hitting its stride and, and, and blowing up, and they took that formula, and they basically copied and pasted it and said, here's some dinosaurs instead, y'all. And, and by all accounts, <laughs> by all accounts, people should have been like, that's, that's whack. I'd rather just play a zombie. But it worked. And it was like, oh, this is great, too. And, and, and it, just, <laughs> it just stayed. It's, I think it's been on the tip of the industry's proverbial tongue for so long. And when you couple that with the fact that now Capcom is making this exoprimal game, which is... Ugh. Everything but what we want. Hey, you want a dinosaur game again? Yeah. Okay, here's something totally different. It's it's just such a bummer. You want to be in a crisis of dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I want that. Okay, we'll make some fall from the moon and onto Earth. Oh, oh, what? <laughs> like, so it's just weird that Capcom is... Now, side note, kudos to Capcom for having the wherewithal to not call this dinosaur. Oh, crisis. that would have been... They would have got roasted for doing that their <laughs> boots would have got smoked in the smoker yeah. um slow cooked it would have been bad but i just think this is for for them to go as hard in the paint as they have to remake and redo so many resident evils why not do this too you know i get it it's an old franchise there'd be a lot they'd, they'd have to modernize but you've already shown that you have the chops to do that so i would love to see after the Resident Evil 4 remake, they take a break on the remakes, give it some yeah. time, and maybe tiptoe on back to Dino Crisis and be like, hey, what's up? What's up, uh, Regina? Because uh, Regina was a great character. And, and that whole world was a great, campy old time. And I think there's just something about that franchise I think would be a nice fit for the modern era um, and would be great. But um, here we are, still waiting, man, all these years later. I'd love to see. I love to see more Dino Crisis. Uh, not a fan of the franchise. Not that I'm not a fan. Just not not a lot of experience. Not acquainted. With it. Yeah. Um, other than three, which is weird, which is the worst part, right? Mm. This is my first entry into Dino Crisis. Was Dino Crisis today? And I'm like, I'm like, is this what you guys were talking about? This piece <laughs> of shit. Uh, but yeah, it, it is. It is known as the worst game of, of the three. But yeah, I would love to see more of that. I would love to see more of all these games, man. Yeah, yeah. This was. Uh, I mean, a lot of the the big ones already are getting remade and revived. So this one, it was uh, a little harder to come up with these games because you know all the bangers are already kind of in the works, which is good. Yeah. Thing. But yeah, some of these. I started looking yeah. through, and I'm like, oh, you know what game I liked? I liked Alone in the Dark. And then it's like, I think news came yeah. out like a couple of weeks yep. ago that they're remaking Alone yep. in the Dark. I was like, oh. Yeah, there was okay. a lot of them like that. Yeah, it was weird. Um, you know, even even like Vampire Bloodline The Masquerade 2, that's technically horror-ish, right? But it's like, oh, that's yeah, that's still kind of happening, I get, you know, so it's it, it And was there was weird. two games that came out in the series. Yeah, uh, Royale yeah, so. and a visual novel, which is what everybody wanted. Yeah. Um, Absolutely Anywho, not. hopefully that was a fun checkpoint chat for all of you Halloween lovers out there. But um, that is going to wrap up this week's show. Again, Starting next week, our end-of-year coverage kicks off in a big way, uh, and it will continue on through the remainder of the year. So please be sure to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed the show and if you want to hear that content. And don't forget to follow us on IG and Twitter at It's Cool Down Time, so that will always be in your FOV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. See ya.